Welcome to the Fertility Podcast. Welcome to episode four of the Fertility Podcast. If this is the first podcast you've clicked on, the aim of the Fertility Podcast is to talk about issues affecting people on their journey to start a family. It could be a diagnosed infertility issue. It could just be at this stage in time, you've been trying to have a family and it hasn't happened yet. The Fertility Podcast speaks to all sorts of people from everyday people telling their stories, which we're going to hear more of around episode six onwards. Coming up next, however, is the first interview with a fertility expert. I was really pleased to get to speak to Zeta West as her book, Guide to Fertility and Assisted Conception, was a real bible for me during my own fertility treatment. Interviews with fertility experts, the Fertility Podcast. Lisa, thank you for giving me some time to have a chat with you. I've been a religious reader of your book. I wanted to start really by asking if you think that we're aware enough about the issues that affect our fertility. And when I say us, I mean men and women. I think it's quite a difficult question because you've got to be in that zone. You've got to be ready to start trying for a baby. And it's like most things in life, you only become interested when it starts to affect you. And that makes you sort of start to think about researching and what you need to do and looking into. And have you seen an increase over, say, the last five years of couples with issues, whether it's they're needing fertility treatment or just needing guidance and support? Have you seen a change or has it been a steady increase? I, I think it's been a steady increase. I think the IVF is much more out there now in terms of it's in the press, people talk about it, etc. But I still think that too many women run down the route of IVF far too quickly without looking at everything else they can do first. Why do you think that is? Because I think sometimes there's not an inability to conceive, but an impatience to conceive. And, you know, on average, it can take up to a year to get pregnant. And if all your friends around you are getting pregnant within two or three months, you immediately sort of focus on the fact that, oh, my God, there must be something wrong with me without looking at all the other things that you can do. So do you think then looking at what tests are available for example on the NHS, do you think that there's not enough support or education about you might have the blood test and they might be fine and therefore you don't really have an answer as to why not? Do you think that that's where there's the lack of information of what else people can do? Yeah I do because I think that you know, we're told that you try for a year and if it doesn't happen, you go along and see your GP. You know, what we're not told is it's 50-50 now. You know, men have issues as well as, as women. And you go along and see your GP and GPs are phenomenal people, but they've got 10 minutes to sort out all of your issues. And that's impossible. And so for a woman especially, she drives this, she goes out and buys the books, the vitamins, the whole thing. She becomes like a mini doctor within about sort of two weeks of so true. of trying. Yeah. And you want to feel like you're being proactive. So, you know, when you ask around, is there anything I can do? It's like, no, go away and relax. It will happen. And telling a woman that's trying for a baby to relax, she's likely to punch you. It's the worst thing you can tell someone because she can't relax. Now, I noticed you've got a new book, Eat Yourself Pregnant. Yeah. And I know you put a big emphasis on the more holistic approach yeah. and the importance of diet and yeah. meditation and acupuncture, that side of well-being. Yeah. Do you think that that's something that people just completely underestimate the benefits of? Yeah, I do. And, you know, I, the holistic approach is really important because, you know, when I see a couple in here, you're looking at every aspect of what's going on in their lives from, you know, how often they're having sex, the woman's cycle, the lifestyle, the mindset. All of these things are absolutely key when it comes to trying for a baby and they need addressing mindset especially is is so you know important and there's many things you can do for yourself that don't need to cost a fortune 
that you can sort of get control over. And women especially, they're great at managing every aspect of their lives, you know, finances, house, home, the whole thing. The emotional side is, is much harder. And as far as men, because I know that there's an increase in the number of men yeah. where their sperm health is poor, what would you say if there's men who, they're involved in this whole process, the, obviously the woman's getting more and more caught up in the research and what have you, and men are often reluctant to have a test, and often it's the woman who has the test first and then the man's tested. Yeah. If there are issues with regards to sperm health, what advice would you give there? The same kind of look at your health and well-being as a starting point? I think what's harder for men than women, women are a lot more open. They will talk to friends and they will sort of share their information. A man very often is quite guarded and can take it very personally when the result comes back and and it's, it's poor. And he finds it even hard sometimes to talk to his partner because men want to fix it. And if they can't fix it, that's what really sort of depresses them. Do you think there's been an increase in the number of men you've seen with poor sperm health? Oh, yes, definitely. Over the last five years, definitely. And do you think that that's as simple as keeping a mobile phone in a pocket? I don't, you know, I think that it's it's slightly more complicated than that. You know, we will have men in here and we will sort of do a lot to help them with their diet, their lifestyle and all of that. And we'll retest their sperm in sort of four months time. Now, for some men, huge changes. For others, nothing at all. You know, so I think there is sort of genetics, luck, you know, whatever. But... For some men, there will be big changes. For others, others there won't. And I think as well, we're getting more sophisticated in our tests now. There are more tests you can do, not just to look at the semen analysis, but to look at the DNA, the right. genetic material of the sperm. So we are learning more as time's going on. If you have any questions or a story you'd like to share, please email questions at thefertilitypodcast.com. Where would you say is the support for the man in that type of situation? I think that the support for the man in this whole process is probably his partner. But then again, you know, what's difficult is that when you're trying for a baby, what happens sometimes is the partner will then panic more the man has an issue as well or sometimes couples will come in here and they'll say to one another well I feel better there's something wrong with me as well because I feel that um, we're both in this now. And as far as if you've got same-sex couples or you've got individuals who are interested in... I'm seeing a big increase in women coming, you know, single women coming for a baby. Heterosexual and gay. And do you think that's because the taboo of IVF is lifting or do you think that's because people are less concerned about what other people think? I think there's a whole mixture. You know, what's quite interesting is years ago you either had a baby or you didn't have a baby. and Then you have IVF. But it's not unusual now for women on their own to have a baby and and it's accepted to have egg donation to make your family, you know, in a gay relationship, single, whatever. I think it is. It's becoming more and more accepted, all of these different techniques and treatments. And again, it's worth highlighting that the support networks for you making those kind of decisions. I know you've got workshops for yes, yeah. single women. Yeah. If it's an individual wanting to go through it and the support that they might have from their family isn't there. I think that, you know, what's very, very important when you do anything as a couple or single, you need to sort of have implications counselling just to understand all of the issues that that may arise definitely. Now with regards to the alternative and the holistic approach I know you talk in your book a lot about acupuncture and meditation and we touched on obviously the diet and well-being do you think that there's I mean personally I was up for trying everything Mm -hmm. that I could that made me have a, a bit of headspace and gave me me time I think in the whole process and do you think that there's that quick fix 
wants that we have in today's time poor society to indulge yourself in an acupuncture session or yeah. a reflexology session do you think that's part of the problem that we're not giving ourselves enough time to, to make all of this happen what is is difficult for women especially when i when, you know when i see them i don't like them wasting lots of fertility time because you can and what can happen very often is you run down a route of trying acupuncture for three months, then you'll meet somebody else that will tell you to do hypnotherapy for another three months and reflexology. And that's a year gone with nobody overseeing what's going on for you. So I think that if you're doing complementary therapies, it needs to be integrated into sort of mainstream medicine as well. You need to have you need to have both. Could because, be talking to somebody. Yeah, you do, but you need the backup doing. of your GP and the NHS to sort yeah. of help you get through it very often. Um, but I do think that there are lots that we can do to help ourselves. And I think that the way we live our lives today, you know, from the minute you wake up in the morning, you're straight onto the high street with earphones in, you know, on the go, on the go, on the go, never further than a, or a nanosecond away from your mobile mm. or whatever. So I think that we do sort of lack quiet time. Testing brings me on to my next question, which is regarding the natural killer gene. And I just read the article that you've got downstairs about, I'm not going to say it right, the immunomodulation therapy. Yeah, yeah, we do do a lot of reproductive immunology here. So the first question I had about it was from a friend of mine who was diagnosed with it, having had three failed cycles, went privately for the test, because that's not a test that is... We do it in America. Yeah, yeah, that is available readily for for, Mm. for women here. She was curious to know whether having had that and having had an IVF, uh, cycle you would then be able to carry naturally without steroids and transfusions or whether once you have it that's the only way that you're going to be able to be pregnant again i think i think it's it's quite a difficult question because we do a lot of work with the immune system here many of the women that we see have had 10 failed cycles at other clinics um, and we do test them for them for, for the immune and as you said these bloods go off to america etc etc but not everybody has got immune issues. It's very easy to think with IVF, because you've had failed cycles, that it's immune. Right. The commonest factor is is age. Age is the biggest factor when it comes to IVF failure. And so there are certain criteria that you need to look at. So if somebody's got a history of any immune disorders in their family, any thyroid issues, endometriosis, has had you know three or more failed cycles or miscarriages, then you would start to look at that. And in a clinic like this, it's easy to think that everyone that walks through the door has got immune. That's not the case um, at all. Can you talk to me a little bit about the therapy? Because the headline of the article that I picked up talks about egg yolks and mayonnaise and babies. <laughs> mayonnaise babies, <laughs> which I know is kind of making kind of it more lighthearted. But yeah. can you? I know it's a very complicated process. But... Yeah, we look we look at a holistic approach to to IVF, and it's not just about immune. It's looking at micronutrient deficiencies, so testing everybody for vitamin D, essential fatty acids, etc., because this all has its impact on the immune system, as does stress, as does diet, etc. So the bloods we send off, and then our doctor decides what um, treatments need to be. And like you mentioned, very often it's, it's heparin or steroids or something called intralipid, which is the, the egg yolk um, right. article that, that you read. And for some women, this helps to modulate their immune system. It's a, a drip that's put up over sort of two and a half hours that they need at certain stages of the process when they're going through IVF. But not all women will need it. Now, the NHS doesn't really recognise this, does it? It doesn't no. acknowledge... I know friends that have miscarried, they don't look at certain three tests till three. Yeah. And the article that talks about this treatment that you offer, the 
anti-argument, I suppose, was that look at the stats. There aren't enough stats, but you've got proof of it making a difference. So what do you think it would take for, and obviously women saying if this type of treatment yeah. was available in the NHS, you know, what a difference it would make and the, the grief of, of failed cycles, obviously, we haven't even gone into. Why do you think there is the resistance to, I think to be it's, more holistic? I think, I think it's, it's, it's like everything. You know, in this country, we have evidence-based medicine, and that's very, very important. And so the evidence for having miscarriages, usually it's after three miscarriages, you have lots of investigations for clotting disorders, etc. And that's had double randomised controlled trials to sort of show that it works, prove that it works. What's hard in this whole area that we're in now, reproductive immunology, those trials haven't haven't happened. So that's what makes it more controversial. But it is coming. Right. Things are changing. And there are more and more units now or clinics that are starting to do very similar things to, to what we're doing. Interviews with fertility experts. The Fertility Podcast. So people shouldn't be afraid to ask questions before they're talked into going for IVF or going for this treatment or that treatment. I think what's difficult, and this is a private clinic, you know, it's very different what happens on the NHS to what happens privately. And many women get pregnant with IVF on the NHS very, very successfully. It's just that there are a certain group of women that it it doesn't work for. And these are complicated cases, which the, the work that we do makes it happen for them. And right. I think that for some of those women, they do need this treatment. And I think it makes a difference between them having a baby and not having a baby. It, it really is that not giving up hope, is it? Absolutely. Just to, just to have that awareness yes. that there's other, yeah. there's other questions to yeah. ask and other angles to investigate. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, you know, for, for women especially, they want to be proactive. They want to feel that they've got control over this because the hardest thing with anything with fertility is dealing with uncertainty, not knowing when it's going to happen. My final question is, what would you say is the strangest myth that you might be asked or that you hear about issues affecting fertility? I think one of it, one of them are um, you need to save up the sperm to make it stronger. Right. And that is a myth because, okay. you know, the more you keep the sperm turned over, right. the better. Having sex every other day. Well, it, 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 three times a week, right. you know, and just not not just focusing on ovulation because yeah. you know ovulation is a random event. You yeah. can't pinpoint exactly when it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and having sex at least three times a week, you're just making sure there's a constant flow of sperm up in the fallopian tubes, and the sperm lasts three to five days. Yeah. But women get fixated about ovulation. Yeah, that's because you can get pee sticks yeah. on every <laughs> every supermarket shelf. Lita, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. A place for women and men to share and hear stories about the fertility journey. So a fascinating chat from Zeta West. And if you'd like to know more about any of the books that we've referred to, do visit thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash episode four. That's where the show notes will be. The Fertility Podcast. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so. You can do it via iTunes or Stitcher. If you've come here to thefertilitypodcast.com, hello, feel free to leave a comment and again, subscribe. And if you're happy to spend a bit of time giving a review on the podcast in iTunes or Stitcher, thank you so much. That's what helps the podcast get a little bit more awareness. And that's the whole point is to get this message out there as much as possible. Plus, it means you won't miss what's coming up because episode five is a conversation with Jonathan Scott. He's the managing director of The Fertility Show, which is happening at the end of National Fertility Week, which takes place the last week of October, and The Fertility Show is the 1st and 2nd of November. Jonathan talks extensively about the incredible lineup of speakers, the different seminars that are happening at the show. You won't want to miss it. If you have any questions about anything you've heard, do email questions at thefertilitypodcast.com. Or if you'd like to have a chat about your own story, 
do email stories at thefertilitypodcast.com. You can follow me at Twitter at fertilitypoddy. I'm on Facebook, The Fertility Podcast, or the website once again is thefertilitypodcast.com. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's given you something to think about. And if again, there's one thing you can take away from this podcast, one thing that Zita said regarding the myth that she talked about, I really hope it helps. And don't forget to download the show notes, thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash episode four. Until the next time. 